episode of Conscious Central. I am your host, who remains anonymous, and today we will be covering communism, the black liberation movement, and women involved in the communist and Marxist movement. Um, So a little bit background about this movement and the black liberation. We will be covering a well-known advocate, Miss Angela Y. Davis. Um, She's well-known for her involvement with the Black Panther Party and their communication of communist ideals as their philosophy and foundation for what they fought for, which was, of course, equality. Um, So we're going to go over some of their 10-point platform, which was founded on the philosophy of Malcolm X, as well as Bobby Seale, Huey P. Newton, and many other mentionable names. Um, The first, of course, point was that we want freedom. We want power to determine the destiny of our black community. We want full employment for our people. We want to end the robbery by the capitalists of our black community. We want decent housing fit for a shelter of human beings. We want education for our people that exposes the true nature of this decadent American society. We want education that teaches us our true history and our role in the present day society. We want all black men to be exempt from the military service. We want an immediate end to police brutality and murder of black people. We want freedom for all black men held in federal, state, county, and city prisons and jails. We want all black people when brought to trial to be tried in court by a jury of their peer group or people from their black communities as defined by the Constitution of the United States. We want land, bread, housing, education, clothing, justice, and peace. Now, a lot will argue or um, the use of the Black Panther Party, they did um, induce self-defense and armed defense against the police. Of course, this is still remains controversial today and whether or not the use of weaponry was a necessity or if it was an excessive force. However, an earlier artifact we covered how Angela Davis's interview um, touched upon this subject. But for now, we're going to focus on their philosophy of communism. So for this one, Angela Davis was a large advocate of this communist coalition. Um, we can see this in her book, which I will be reading some excerpts from. It is Angela Y. Davis, Woman, Race, and Class. This was originally published in the 80s, actually, and has been, you know, of course, republished, copied. Um, a well, well-read um, book, which I highly recommend for you listeners. Um, but this one, we're going to cover chapter 10, which is Communist Woman. And I'm just going to read this expert, um, expert, this excerpt, if you will. Basically, she talks of the role of women in the movement, as many movements uh, preceding, such as the socialist labor movement, was not all-inclusive of women in its movement, or the suffrage for women in that case. Okay, this is from page 150. As the main champion of Marxism for almost two decades, the Socialist Party supported the battle for women's equality. For many years, in fact, it was the only political party to advocate women's suffrage. Thanks to such socialist women as Pauli Newman and Rose Schneiderman, a working class suffrage movement was forged. 
breaking the decade-long stronghold of middle-class women on the mass campaign for the vote. By 1908, the Socialist Party had created a National Women's Commission. On March 8th of that year, women socialists active on New York's Lower East Side organized a mass demonstration in support of equal suffrage, whose anniversary continues to be observed all over the world as International Women's Day. When the Communist Party was founded in 1919, actually, this is parentheses, two communist parties, which later united, were established, former Socialist Party women were among its earliest leaders and activists. Mother Ella Reeve Bloor, Anita Whitney, Margaret Preeve, Kate Sadler Greenhall, Rose Pastor Stokes, and Jeanette Pearl were all communists who had been associated with the left wing of the Socialist Party. Now, before I continue reading, you want to unpack this um, excerpt real quick. So, when she does refer to the Socialist Party, she does, in fact, refer to the Socialist Party, not the Socialist Labor Party, in which I referred to earlier, because on page 149, she says, even the Socialist Labor Party was also predominantly male, because this, at that time, these parties were, of course, led by men, um, in face of, you know, women counterparts not being widely recognized due to their sex, um, but, of course, she mentions some names, a part of the Communist Party, and she goes on in this chapter to further their point of views and kind of delve into those persons such as Anita Whitney, Mark Preeve, um, very, very insightful and um, touches upon much-needed recognition as women were very strong voices held in this movement. Um, however, in face of that, we also see on page 152 um, furthering not only on women's suffrage and women recognition in this party, but also black liberation in the fight against um, inequality for both race and sex. So here's the top of 152. According to the communist leader and historian William Z. Foster, during the early 1920s, the party, in reference of this party, was neglectful of the particular demands of Negro women in industry. Over the next decade, however, communists came to recognize the centrality pardon, of racism in U.S. society. They developed a serious theory of black liberation and forged a consistent activist record in the overall struggle against racism. So, of course, um, even in the um, regular women's suffrage movement, you don't typically see... Um, touching upon black liberation. Black liberation has been a standalone movement um, for a wide amount of history, in American history particularly, and what we see is a breaking in this pattern with the communist movement. And while this movement was looked down upon or it was questioned in its true values, ideals of how it placed our society and economy and um, something almost foreign to our capitalistic nature um, the main reason for advocacy or I guess I would say the central essential reason for advocacy that also motivated um, Miss Davis was this 
this collaboration almost with the Black Liberation Movement and through the promotion of communist ideals and the advocacy for um, the sharing of equality, you will also see, as she says, the Black Liberation and um, women's suffrage, which was very central to her as a Black woman, central to me as a Black woman. Um, and I believe, and of course, her ideas in which that we are not all free until we are all free. None of us are free until we're all free. And I think that is a very important idea that should be shared amongst many. Um, because, of course, we must advocate for all of us if we want to advocate for any of us. And, yeah, I think it was very insightful, this chapter. Um, one of my favorites seeing, um, especially with um, Elizabeth Curley Flynn, who wasn't actually mentioned in the preceding list of women. However, she is covered in this chapter. Um, I'm actually going to read a little bit from her, from her excerpt in one page 161. Um, here we go. The young Elizabeth was not yet 16 when she delivered her first public lecture in defense of socialism. Based on her readings of Mary Wollstonecraft's Vindication of the Rights of Women and August Bebel's Women in Socialism, she delivered a speech in 1906 at the Harlem Socialist Club entitled, What Socialism Will Do for Women. Although her somewhat male supremacist father had been reluctant to allow Elizabeth to speak in public, the enthusiastic reception in Harlem caused him to change his mind. Accompanying her father, she became familiar with street speaking which were the typical radical tactic of the period. Elizabeth Gurley Flynn experienced her first arrest soon thereafter, charged with speaking without a permit. She was carted off to jail with her father. Now, I won't continue on because I just wanted to touch upon that little bit because I found it very interesting how Elizabeth, she herself was 16 when she decided to become an active voice in this movement and though her father was hesitant he um he stood beside her and i i found that very admirable because you don't see men um especially fathers men of the household really um collaborate or encourage their female counterparts especially this is his daughter so i can only imagine how terrifying thinking of the roles women played at this time must have been to to find the courage to speak on this let alone her father allow her or or side with her i found that very um powerful and even because this is what in the early 20th century um we still see this fight for women equality for for the right over our persons today and you know it's it's something that it's it's a, it's a long withstanding fight and that we continue to fight and yeah i i encourage you all to further read into this book um this episode i see it's going over the 12 minute mark and with that i will say that 
do your research, keeping an open mind and keeping ourselves informed and looking into the past can really give us a guidance to how we lead in the future and how we'll continue this movement for liberation for all. And that is all. Thank you for listening to this episode of Conscious Central. Um, We did have an honorable mention, Miss Angela Davis, and um, she's just a very admirable figure in history and a controversial figure, surprisingly. Um, But honestly, I think it takes a little bit of research and a little bit of of open mind to really allow ourselves to learn about these figures in history. So thank you, and I will see you all next time. Thank you.